you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, everybody. This podcast is brought to you by Skittles. It's football time, and you know what that means? I have to read whatever they write on this piece of paper because corporate money matters more than my dignity. Whoa. Ouch. Skittles going in for the kill. So here it goes. Nothing is better than watching football with a bowl of Skittles while in my grandmother's vintage we- – well, my grandmother's dead. In fact, both of them are. So good bit. Wedding dress that I keep buried in the back of my closet. Is this still – Part of the Skittles paid advertisement, or am I confessing the secret that has been building up subconsciously for years? It's the second one. Whoa. Brought to you by Skittles. Force read the rainbow. Taste the rainbow. That was cute. The Around the NFL podcast. Loves NFL kickers. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined in a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Wild card weekend is in the books. And as is often the case, when we assume we something, 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 ass. I don't remember the full, what it, what is the saying? Make an ass out of you and me. There it is. Because a lot of, of unexpected us. things happen uh, today and wild or this weekend, Wildcard Sunday, the Saturday and Sunday games. We're going to get to all of them um, in terms of like a big picture takeaway. Mark Sessler, how you doing, buddy? Doing fine. Good. My dog Mark with a C. Uh, no team had more than twenty-four points on Wildcard Weekend. Mm. So there was no in the year of offense. <laughs> there was not a single team that said, "I'm going to heat things up." Or what we. About, what about in the year of offense, defense is adjusted late in the season, making us wrong about everything we said. And it's funny you say that, Wes, because. But the best defenses all got knocked out. On Sunday, the Ravens and Bears, the two best defenses in the NFL, wiped away in eight hours. So football, dot, dot, dot. It's unpredictable. I'd blame the weather. The elements. The elements sometimes can be rough. Colder weather. Also, also this weekend uh, for the Chillier. Heroes. Windy. It was windy. Rainy. A lock apocalypse, which we're going to get into. Not for everybody, though. A lock up. Try it, Wes. Try it. Lock a lips. Oof. Almost. 
Apocalypse. Uh, <laughs> but this is what we're going to do. We're going to go through the games and we're going to go and reverse chronological order. Counterclockwise. Um, uh, so let's get it going, starting with what happened at Soldier Field. Take a deep breath. This is the season. This is it right here. Ball is snapped, placed, kicked, and it is no good. No good. It is no good, and the Eagles win. He missed it. Problem. He missed it, and the Eagles are heading to New Orleans. They are headed to New Orleans. And who knows where Cody Parkey is headed next season. Oh, oh, oh Merrill Reese with the dagger with Mike Quick on the call, WIP. Yes, Cody Parkey's 43-yard field goal. And they didn't say it on the uh, radio broadcast, so I'll explain it to the audience. Struck the left upright, then clanked against the crossbar before falling to the end zone. A crushing miss by Parkey that allowed the Eagles to escape Soldier Field with a 16-15 win. This was the best game of Wild Card Weekend. The sixth-seed Eagles will face the top-seed Saints at the Superdome in next week's divisional round. Chris Wessling, the Eagles... They're the defending champ for a reason. They got talent, resiliency, and yes, a little bit of luck. You need that too. Kickers create legacies. That the way we view Mitch Trubisky is going to be different after Cody Parkey's miss, and the storybook of Nick Foles' career keeps getting another chapter written because of that miss. I don't think we'd be talking about the Eagles and Nick Foles quite the same without that miss. But you're right; they are the Super Bowl champions. You never underestimate their heart. And Foles played great down the stretch. And, and their defense is better than they were, say, a month or two ago. I think you give them all a lot of credit. And, and their pass protection, I thought, was really good. I mean, you're right. There were um, These two teams, I think one thing you can take away from, they were very evenly matched. There wasn't a lot separating them. Like Trubisky, Foles played his best at, at the end of the game. The offense has kind of turned it up in the fourth quarter. But getting the ball down five points with 446 to go and needing to score a touchdown on the best defense in the league and delivering that touchdown, which included great plays, not just by Foles. How about Zach Ertz jumping up in a, in a crowd and picking that out of the sky? How about Alshon Jeffrey just kind of owning this entire game? How about Nick Foles on the fourth down play, season on the line, changing his arm angle and making a tricky throw? He goes that, full Mahomes. That golden How about Tate Dallas makes. Goddard? Forcing a missed tackle on third down. Right, that's what I mean. So it takes it takes so many different players to make a, a epic drive like that. And Foles ultimately did did play his best down the stretch. You got to give him credit. And we always talk about Nick Foles and Nick Foles and Nick Foles, but it's the Eagles' defense that dominated this stretches of this game as well. I mean, they're playing as well on defense as they have all year. And it's funny that even one play can make a trade that looks sort of lost for the Eagles, the Golden Tate touchdown suddenly, because it's all about what you just did, like Golden Tate's touchdown. Everyone says, oh, Howie Roseman won that trade. I mean, and bottom yeah. line, he kind of did because they just won another playoff game because of it. That was, to me, the, the story of the game was, you know, I, I had the feeling that the, the Bears weren't going to score a lot of points, but you, you also knew that Chicago's defense was going to come to play in this game with the home field advantage and the fact that the week after week have been showing it. So that's what surprised me the most about the game is that once they finally got over the hump, Chicago on offense, and they, they score the touchdown to take the 15 to 10 uh, lead, 
The fact that the defense couldn't close the game out, that to me is the biggest surprise of this game. Mm. And, they, and of course, Cody Parkey could have wiped all that away if he hits a 43-yarder. In fact, he did hit a 43-yarder, but he was iced mm. by Doug Peterson. Uh, and we, we don't have to talk about it anymore. That is it. That's it. You always ice the kicker. <laughs> we don't have to have this discussion anymore. It's been proven. Chris Wessling right there. Uh, First time in, since 2004 in a playoff game, by the way, that it worked. And you remember that game? Danny, uh, it was probably Doug Bryan blowing something. Yeah, it's well, the Steelers. Greg hates icing, but if you ask me, if I'm coaching against a guy who's missed ten kicks this year, I'm definitely icing that guy and making him think about it. And the, uh, getting back to my point, because Parky, by the way, that is six times he hit the upright or crossbar. Four in one this game, year, including four in one. The booze when he left the field. I happen to see this. Just, you know, we're deafening from the from the uh, home being crowd. a kicker is terrible, but to me, that is ultimately the biggest surprise that the Bears didn't get off the field and win that game. And that defensive line led by Khalil Mack, who's pretty quiet in this game, had one sack in the whole game. Quiet. And they and they just did not get the job done. He was he was a force in the run game. Khalil Mack was. He owned Darren Sproles in this game. But very quiet as a pass rusher, and Jason Peters played well. I mean, Next Gen Stats points out that Foles had his quickest release of any game all year tonight. And I think he attempted to counteract what they knew would be a really ferocious pass rush with getting the ball out. It did not work perfectly. Foles threw a bad pick. He threw a terrible pick in the end zone as well. One, I mean, this was not right. a great Nick Foles game until the end, it, and he delivered as he has every time. I think it was similar to the games he's put together other than the Texans game where he just was awesome. I think this was kind of what you've gotten from Foles over the last month, which is a couple uh, Aaron throws. He also missed the third and nine that, that killed the drive in the second half that looked like it might be big. A, a really terrible interception. He's been intercepted now five times in the last four games, and some of them have been pretty ghastly, but some big time money throws. But the, to Wes's point, the rest of the team, the protection, I think the play calling, maybe he's Doug Peterson's more comfortable with Foles, who's been with him the whole time. And certainly the defense getting more production out of Rosal Douglas and Avante Maddock and Cravon LeBlanc and Trey Sullivan and all these guys that you never heard of about six weeks ago who have played well against some limited passing games. We'll see if it continues next week, but the secondary has played pretty well. If you throw short arm jump balls, 50-50 balls, you're going to throw your fair share of interceptions too. I mean, that's just the way he plays with that kind of shooter's confidence. I'm throwing it up and letting somebody make a play. I was the other thing about the Eagles attack and they converted on the fourth and goal, the two yard pass to Tate. And that was, it was ma- game. major, major onions it ended up being the margin of victory. But the, on first and second down, I, I was surprised uh, how often we saw Darren Sproles uh, touch the ball in this game. It, it, do they not have? A thumper near the goal line. Did they well, not? They have did not use else Josh Adams for more than to? one touch. I Theory would be Josh, Josh Adams who had one carry, and that was it. I didn't he was not love in the Sproles game. having such a huge part in the game plan, but ultimately, it worked I mean, the out two the teams Eagles. combined for 107 yards and I, at rushing. The Eagles had 42 yards rushing. I think it was a disappointment probably for both teams. If either one could have gotten a ground game going, they would feel better. It, but this game to me was so similar from Trubisky, who ends up with good stats. Uh, and but certainly had two or three interceptable balls and missed some throws. Whereas ultimately, if they kick that ball, you're right, Wes. We're talking about that he made a lot of really good throws down the stretch. It's just a fact. In the fourth quarter, they scored 10 points and they should have scored 
13 points. And he didn't play a good game. This is kind of the typical Mitchell Trubisky game. He'll show you enough to get excited. He'll have a, a, a few head scratchers. But he had some beauties, including what should have set up the game winner. I mean, it was a beautiful throw to set up it's the funny game. funny because Collinsworth thought Trubisky played well. And Mark Sessler could not have been more annoyed. By well, the all right. So hold on. So some of that came before what was a beautiful drive where he made two or three elegant throws. I get it. It's just that I feel sometimes with Mitch Trubisky, he is treated with kid gloves where it's like we point out a few things that he does well. Overall, this was a roller coaster ride. He's not a quarterback you feel confident in. And too many of their drives were utterly blown up and unwatchable. And it's not just Trubisky. They played a great defense in the Eagles. But I mean, he he's lucky he didn't come out of this with a couple turnovers of his own. Absolutely. Right. They, they lost... They lost the game, and I lost uh, my lock despite winning the turnover battle two to nothing. I lost, to I lost mine as well. And that ended what was a historic streak by you, Mark. You had 10 locks in a row, which I'm sure that made you a little more angry at Michigan. It's my fault, company. and I'll tell you one. The, the lo- winning locks in general seem, feels basically lucky. But one thing that I, when I enjoy doing it, it's when I enjoy picking a team that I truly believe in, and I picked against a team with the DNA like the Eagles that I can get behind for what I thought would be a nice little easy defensive victory. I found them, it was a pain to watch them today. I'm sorry, I know they're the team of the ATL. They ain't my team today. They drove me nuts. (laughs) And you know what? The better team is going on in my book. I'm not saying that they're better in all their parts, but I would much rather see this journey continue for Nick Foles and the Eagles than Mitch Trubisky go up and produce nine points against the Saints. The the biggest surprise. See you later. Uh, for me of the week, when you look at the box scores of Wild Card Weekend, is Mitch Trubisky threw for 300 yards, um, uh, which you didn't, you wouldn't think that he would even add up to that many yards. And the other part of his game, which maybe we'll learn more in the upcoming days or even as soon as tonight when we hear some of the sound bites, is I wonder if that he pulled up lame in the first half, and then you look at his running stats: three rushes for nine yards. That's a big part of his game: his ability to scramble, get out of the pocket, make guys miss. And once he hurt his leg and he went into the tent, you, you didn't see Mitchell Trubisky move anymore. Twice on scrambles, he was stopped shy of the sticks on third down. And I don't know if he's healthy if he goes for that, but you'd like to see him in a playoff game throw caution to the wind with his body a little bit. Right. There, like In a game like this where I really do think these teams were, were so even, it, despite you know the turnover battle you know going to the, to the Bears, you know, like the Adrian Amos penalty. One of the two touchdown drives by the Eagles was entirely penalties. I mean, it was an unforced error by the Bears defense. That drive ended up being, I think, 53 yards out of 70 plus plus penalties on that. I believe there was the 15 yard helmet to helmet and then a pass interference, which was a good call. Right. I'm not saying they were bad calls. I just mean, I don't There's just so many. It's tough. And you're right, Dan, you're you're always on this corner for Parky because that is how the game's going to be remembered. And there were Every play, and that's why the playoffs are so fun, that every play feels like it can change the game. And speaking of Parky, before we move on, I guess, and this is the part, if you are a Bears fan and you're listening, and God bless you if you are, <laughs> uh, because this cannot be easy and, uh, and we empathize with you, uh, you could fast forward the next 30 seconds or so because we're going to play the Chicago Bears radio call from Jeff Joniak, WBBM. Parky lines it up, O'Donnell on one knee. Gives him a look, extends his right arm. Scales sends it back. Placement made. Kick by Parkey from 43. And it hit the upright. It is no good on the crossbar. And the Eagles are celebrating here at Soldier Field. I don't even know how to respond to that. 
The crowd sound is brutal. Awful loss. Well, they've waited forever for the home playoff game. That will stick to the ribs of Chicago fans for a long time. I, we, I, the, we made it through the whole thing without mentioning Allen Robinson, who I thought was yes. probably the best player on the field. Played a very good And game. his double moves on Avante Maddox worked throughout the game. He's been playing really well, and I think not great numbers this year, but they have to look forward to him next year. They have things to build around, including their head coach. I watched Matt Nagy's post-game press conference. I think he should be coach of the year. I think he did a great job in this game, including with the play calls, staying aggressive uh, late in the game after it really wasn't happening for them. And yet he stayed so aggressive the way he handled that press conference. And I think what he said to the team, he just he strikes me as a leader and a mature guy that players are going to stand behind. And he's bringing that offensive acumen. I think they've got the right the right coach. All right, let's uh, continue to go backwards in time with the early kickoff game. This one on Sunday took place in Baltimore. Let's go there. Shotgun snap, looking middle of the field, under pressure. Ball is stripped. Chenonawosu diving for it. There is a scrum. It looks like the Chargers may have it. We'll see. Charger ball! Charger ball! <laughs> the Bolts are going to win in Baltimore! That is the voice of the Randy NFL podcast, Matt Money Smith, with the call for KFI. The Chargers gave Lamar Jackson fits all day, making the game's final play, decisive play, a strip sack recovery by LA, a fitting way to wrap up a 23 17 win. Over the Ravens in Baltimore, the Chargers win. Up next for the Bolts, a divisional round matchup against the Patriots in Foxborough. Phil Rivers was pumped after the game. Rivers and Wilson talking it out. We're going to fly back home, and then we're going to fly back out here for another 10 a.m. West Coast kick. We really don't care. What's the saying? What is that? Any squad, any place. We bought whatever. How how we've gone all year long, and we'll be there next Sunday. And that was Melvin Ingram, who had a monster game. Mark Sessler, for 55 minutes, the Chargers made Lamar Jackson look like an AAF clipboard holder. It was the story of this game, wasn't it? I think Melvin Ingram, and we just talked about Allen Robinson being the best player in the field in the prior game, Melvin Ingram was the best football player we saw all day today, in my opinion. He, in a game where the, the Chargers, the narrative coming in was how physically dominated they were. And how would they respond, not only from that angle, but strategically. And it came out after the game, and we saw this right away, that they were using six and seven defensive backs up at the line, all over the place to handle Baltimore's tangle of runners with Lamar Jackson, the rest of them. They, out of 59 snaps, used seven defensive backs on 58. And it was by Gus Bradley, who was jettisoned as Jacksonville's coach. He's back in Los Angeles as their defensive coordinator. An excellent game plan that really up until the very end, the floor never fell out on any level. They put such a clamp on Lamar Jackson, and they basically also asked Lamar Jackson to play a mistake-free game, which he is not able to do. With their first eight snaps, there were three fumbles by the Ravens. Lamar Jackson was lucky not to lose two of them right away, and then Kenneth Dixon lost on the second possession a game-changing fumble that set up a field goal. The Chargers had to deal with essentially settle for field goals over and over because of Baltimore's defense. But then Baltimore's defense, it's too much to ask them to do this all game long too and finally gave up points and they built a 23-3 lead and then the Ravens hung on, came back a little bit. But this to me was the, one of the more incredible coaching efforts mm. by the Chargers defensive staff that we've seen all year. Well, it's counterintuitive, right? You facing the greatest running team that we've seen in years, 
let's get way lighter. Let's put seven defensive right. backs on the field. It it doesn't sort of make sense, but they know their players. They know that the the Ravens running attack, you know, is at its best going to the outside. They have ballers. I mean, Derwin James was everywhere. Adrian Phillips had a monster game at safety, and that kind of strategy counts on Ingram and Bosa and the guys up front to create pressure on their own. And Ingram got it done. And how about Uchenna Nuosu, kind of the forgotten draft pick on that team, ends up making the game ceiling play, the second round pick that they had behind Derwin James. It's it's the forgotten unit in this game was the Chargers defense and coming in. And they're the ones that did The Ravens in the first half had 69 yards, just 11 through the air, two turnovers, zero points, not a single play in enemy territory and had 12 minutes of possession. That is anti-Ravens from what we've seen the last six weeks. You, Greg, had it right. Um, you said in the lead up to this game that it could benefit uh, the Chargers to to have played Baltimore so recently. They got beat handily uh, three weeks ago. I was skeptical of that because I thought it would carry more weight. But what what ended up working out, Wes, is what we're hearing about the game plan. They studied that tape and they said, Lamar Jackson, we know how to make this guy miserable. And that could flip the entire game on its ear. And that's what they pulled off. They Their defense had the best game of the season for them. And yep. Melvin Ingram had his best game of the season. Derwin James has been good all year. Adrian Phillips has been good all year. Um, that play that Derwin James made in the open field on Lamar Jackson to force the fourth down, and then instead of going for the fourth down, the Ravens attempted the field goal. To me, a 50-yard field goal, by the way. To me, that was right up there, like one of their two most important plays of the game right there. And I think the difference was field position. Phillip Rivers didn't do any more than Lamar Jackson did, but he didn't give the ball right. to, to his defense and say, here, defend only 15 yards. Well, Jackson's got a fumbling problem. He led the league in fumbles despite starting only seven games, and he fumbled a few times. And a lot of times it's been unforced errors on these he's fumbles. He's also got a passing problem. Right. Well, the, the accuracy to the outside certainly isn't there. But I, I love the fact that in that moment, Harbaugh blinked on the fourth and one. So this is the greatest running team we've seen. And in that moment, fourth and one, the Ravens have gone for it every single time. And I know Justin Tucker's the best, and it was to make it a one-score game. It was totally understandable why he did it, but it was sort of a moment that he blinked, and he was saying, we don't trust ourselves to get a yard against you guys, which was giving the Chargers all the credit they deserve and kind of saying, hey, you're, you're beating us. I think that also is that the game that Lamar Jackson was playing under center was discombobulated. I mean, they were completely yes. out of sorts. Good word for it. They had three first downs and negative two yards passing in the first 50 minutes of the game. Wow. And you factor all that in, and that's why it became a major subplot, both on Twitter, amongst the football cognoscenti, and also in that stadium, M&T Bank Stadium, which was, uh, there were boos raining down and chants of Joe Flacco. The idea, should Flacco enter this game and give them a shot to, to juice the uh, offense? Let's hear what John Harbaugh had to say about that possibility after the game. Yeah, we were just talking about possibly all those possibilities. I, I'm not going to probably get into all that, Peter, in terms of what was said or not said, but I can assure you we were considering, you know, putting Joe in the game and all that kind of stuff. That was part of the conversation. Uh, certainly thought about it, certainly talked about it with everybody. Uh, and I can tell you this, it was, it was, everybody was on the same page with what we did, everybody, including Joe. So Midway through the fourth quarter, and, and Wes, you just hit on it before, Jackson was three for 10. Fourth quarter, three for 10 for 25 yards, an interception and two fumbles. His quarterback rating, zero. And 
two touchdown passes at the end of the game. You, does that justify sticking with him? I, I don't think, think it so. Does. I don't think so. I think I, you know what, I think that was lipstick on a pig, Greg. Just because you could say uh, now the fact that they had the ball with well, 47. When, I guess when would have you done it? Halftime? 47 seconds. Uh, with a chance to score at the end of the game with no timeouts. I don't think that was some great opportunity for the team. I thought if they got, I thought you should keep them in obviously through the first half and then give them a look in the, as the second, as the second half begins after that first or second possession, I have to make a move. If I'm the head coach, I thought John Harbaugh blew this. And I know a lot of people who, who think they know so much about football will say, Oh, well, Joe Flacco stinks. There's nothing he could have done. Well, everybody thinks they know so much on their keyboards, but it's like, how about you give them a shot? Cause crazy. Crazy stuff happens in the playoffs. Flacco could have gotten hot. It could have been Johnny Unitas going in for Earl Morrow in Super Bowl three and get a team back in a game. We'll never know uh, because at the end of the day, Harbaugh obviously had turned the page on this Ravens franchise and said, Joe Flacco, and he said as much after the game. I wish him well. He's a great guy. We're said he's going to have friends. a market. That not, said, not in both. He said, this is over, and said, that is how he played this game, that Joe Flacco was already essentially off the team. I didn't like how he played this. Didn't it make you think – if the Ravens don't release that statement a week ago saying that John Harbaugh's back for 2019, Harbaugh might play this thing differently. Mm. It certainly seemed like he was looking forward to next year when he stayed with Lamar well, Jackson. Well, it's, it's interesting, too, because they asked him about whether he thought there was any chance uh, that he wouldn't be back. And he, he had an interesting non-answer to that. And I don't know if that he's just like angry. He said he wants to be. Yeah, of course, of course he's going to say that he wants to be back. But his quote... He quoted the Bible, I believe. His quote was, there's a Bible verse that says, make no oath. No one can say what tomorrow is going to bring other than God willing. We'll see what God has in store. I have every expectation, every plan to be here. I think this might be just, you know... M- maneuvering to get a contract extension mm. pro football talk has reported very strongly that the Broncos and Dolphins are both interested in Harbaugh. So that's a whole other story. I don't know if he would have changed his decision based on that. I was just saying, I guess, when would have you made the change at, at halftime? I guess would have been the I time to said, do it. Cause he did get two fourth quarter touchdowns. Probably that's once. My point. Yeah. I get, I get what you're saying. I would say after the, First fruitless possession or even okay. two in the third quarter. Get him in there because at a certain point, what what is the point? And he did make it a close. He made it interesting. But by that point, it was just desperate straights. Can I just counter you real quick? I, I was not in favor of making the switch just because I think the allure to Lamar Jackson is you're going to get the mistakes. You're not going to be able to count on necessarily a steady passing effort, but he's going to bring explosiveness right. and it, much more so than Joe Flacco. And the one thing that was happening was – L.A. was getting heat on Lamar Jackson. Right. They were getting heat on the backfield. And that is not something that I would have trusted Joe Flacco but hold to on. alter. Uh, just just a counterpoint. Go on. Let, allow me to <laughs> counterpoint that. We heard that exact same, I would say, guesswork about Tyrod Taylor and Baker Mayfield in the game against the Jets. Oh, no, you can't put Baker Mayfield in because Tyrod's under pressure the whole game. As soon as you put the other quarterback in, he game. gets rid of the ball faster. They start lining up on defense differently. The pass rush isn't there. I don't think you can say That's that. possible, but I just don't really see Joe Flacco that way in 2018. And, and everything's different. I agree, Wes. It could have given them a different look. But I think ultimately, to Mark's point, the Chargers defensive line was winning the battle consistently, whether it was in the running game or the passing game. Well, they can also stack a lot more people in the defensive line when you don't have to worry about the guy throwing beyond 10 yards. And when, if, if Gus Edwards and Kenneth Dixon are are running 14 for 36, it's like, I don't think they're going to win this game unless Phillip Rivers has a meltdown. And it's not like the Chargers offense played well. I mean, the Ravens defense did. They were frustrating. I also have one more aside related to the Flacco situation. At one point, Tracy Wolfson of CBS 
uh, reported that Jimmy Smith uh, chastised some Ravens fans behind the bench uh, for chanting for Flacco. And he, he, he told them not to be fair weather fans. And I, I, that is another thing I was seeing popping up on Twitter. It's like calling a, a, a fan fair weather because they think they need to make a switch a quarterback in a one and done elimination. It doesn't make you a bad fan. If you leave the stadium at halftime, you're a fair weather fan. So that got on my radar too. This idea that you have to protect Lamar Jackson's dignity or, or, you know, get Joe Flacco out of the mix. Totally. I just had an issue with how the whole thing. I, was I do agree with West though, that the, that the whole element of Harbaugh's contract and the fact that you're, Dealing with a rookie quarterback who's had a great story up till now, and the minute he hits troubled waters, the only thing is you have to deal with whatever happens now, the same way with the Patriots last year in the Super Bowl. You have to deal with this storyline for the rest of the offseason, and you have to wonder if that factored in. I, I just am amazed. It is fun to know that these, this Chargers team is moving on. Yes, it is. Chargers. Chargers aren't going to charge. I mean, you were a huge Ravens fan about nine hours ago, but outside of that. <laughs> I was rooting on the Chargers a ton. Are you kidding me? You were watching this no, game both. with me. Yeah, both. I, mean, I, I enjoy, like, watching football we teams. We don't need to, we, like, that is well you know, not, not, but I, I love this Chargers team. The fact that uh, Ingram's the heartbeat of this team, he had a monster game. Antonio Gates made a huge play in this game, which I think Chargers fans had to just, like, that was delightful to ha- have him make one of the key plays of the game. And how about the Chargers special teams ends up being maybe the key of the game. Money I, know Badger. They, I know they had a punt block and a kick block, but Desmond King and then the, and the field goal kicker, Nothing the says that this kicker. team. He calls him the Badgley. I'm not going to call him Penn Badgley. I was about to call him Penn, and I was like, he deserves Mike Badgley, he is the money badger, and he set a franchise record with five field goals. He scores 15 points in this game. And, I, yeah, because Chargers fans are going to get mad at us uh, for focusing on the Ravens. The Ravens, it's a fun soap opera angle to it. But the Chargers, and I'll say this, Greg, because you, as you may know, I do not like the Patriots. After back-to-back years where they just got tomato cans, when they beat up the Titans, uh, the Titans and the Texans, 69 to 30, the last two years in the division round, this is a battle-tested, gritty, tough Philip Rivers-led Chargers team going up to Foxborough, and you're going to see the stat over and over again that they have not lost a game this year when they got on a plane that includes a trip to London. They are nine and zero, I believe, in games. The only road game they lost was against the Pretty Rams. Pretty amazing. I'll see him. Yeah. So this is including and- four playoff teams: right. Seattle, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, and then today with a competent kicker. Least. So totally new DNA. Totally. And the and the Patriots, they're undefeated at home. So this is a great division round game. Hey, you want to get to the AFC title game this year, Greg? You're going to have to earn it, bro. Here's another stat. I can't lose at both my teams. One of another stat you'll see. <laughs> this will be the oldest combined matchup for quarterbacks in a playoff game. How about that? For old dudes. All you old dudes out there. Oh, who got banged on this one? I did. Mm. Here you go. Here you go. Let's move on. I'm certain long. Prescott runs it up the middle. 15, 10, 5. Diving to the right. They spotted him at the four. Oh, they've moved it to the one. It is a first and goal. And that quit watching that judge on that sideline. The Sham God, KRLD with the call. Dak Prescott shot through an opening, a third and long, and took it to the goal line. It was a game-changing play for the Cowboys and a 24-22 win over the Seahawks at Jarrow World. The fourth seed Cowboys move on to face... The Rams, the number two seed Rams here in L.A. next weekend. Greg, the Seahawks had a game plan that worked all year. Well, until they got to Dallas. Right. Everyone is killing Brian Schottenheimer. 
for this game plan, and they should, and we'll get, we'll, I'm sure, talk about that. But that it's it's been basically the same game plan all year. This isn't a new thing, and so I think the Seahawks fans that are upset about that have to recognize that they lost to a team that very much won in the similar way that the Seahawks have won a lot of playoff games under Pete Carroll. They had the superior defense. They had the superior defensive playmakers in Jalen Smith and Leighton Van Der Esch and Demarcus Lawrence stopping the run. And they were the team that, even though they were, they were a little too conservative on offense, their quarterback is the one that was rushing for key first downs, just like Russell Wilson did, that didn't need to do a heck of a lot except hit like one red zone throw, which he did to Michael Gallup. And they watched their running game pop off a few big ones to close it out in a game that the opponent eventually think, gosh, we should have won that. It's like, that's how the Seahawks have won a lot of games this century and all credit to the to the Cowboys who had the best group in this game and that was the Cowboys defense I thought Wes diagnosed this many many days ahead not just on our Thursday show that the strength of the Cowboys would be their linebacking core and it would be the fact that their defense is very well coached and when you if you want to blame Brian Schottenheimer for the fact that Seattle had six three and outs there's a huge reason that that happened. It's the opponent they were playing. Now, you can look at Schottenheimer's decision to do things like throw a little rinky-dink screen on third and long in a massive situation and say, come on, we've seen that from you before. We thought you had broken out of that cycle. But this had all to do with Dallas dominating on defense in a way that gives them a chance to play with anyone next week. As someone that's in Brian Schottenheimer recovery still from his years with the Jets, I could tell you what was getting on my radar and brought back a lot of memories of the Rex Ryan years was running on first down. Yes. Over and over right. and over again. And it yeah. wasn't working. It was not working on Saturday night. And they, he never deviated out of that, it seemed. So every time you got to second and third down, it's third and seven. And it was just like, sometimes, I know the game plan has worked all year. They they led the world in rushing and all that. But it wasn't working. And Schottenheimer showed no flexibility. I don't think any Seahawks fans will fault the game plan. It, it, like the plan. <laughs> well, you don't follow enough. The plan that you created during the week. And the script that you wrote, okay, I get it. You're obviously going to run. The fault is, why did you not switch away from that at any point in the right. game? Yeah. In the second half, to your point, Dan, they had six runs and one pass on first down. And that's after it wasn't working until that last drive. Wilson had 27 throws for 8.3 yards per attempt. And and their, run, their runs averaged 2.8 yards per attempt. So it's just like, it's, it's kind of simple math. And it... They had a bunch of plus 20 plays in the passing game. You know, Lockett made a couple big catches. Baldwin made one great catch. And you're thinking like, hey, is this going to ring any alarm bells that when you allow these great players, Wilson, Lockett, and Baldwin, to try for something that you can, you can make some plays? They had the same number of first downs as the Ravens did. The Cowboys had twice as many first downs as the Seahawks. They just didn't move the ball. It's very typical of the – this was a typical Cowboys game for this season where it felt like they should have been leading by more – yeah, they really were. I mean, I heard a lot of people saying like, "We really need one good game this week," and it's been a do- and it's been a snoozer. I thought this was a this was a, good, a really good game. Four lead changes, and and, and right. it was totally up in the air until the third and four. It wasn't a classic, Dana, but it was third and fourteen when Dak Prescott in the red zone picked up that first down. At that point, you were looking at Russell Wilson in a game that had four lead changes, getting the ball to go try to win the game. It's like, it you didn't know. have like a stink coming from it. Yeah. It was a good game. It also, game. you know, this thing, when these things happen, it's sometimes colors your own viewpoint. Wow, I, I locked up the CL Seahawks, but I guess I'm looking more from the, the factor that 
you know, I thought this game was going to come down to the, to the last minutes. Could and it was. Better. It was a close game. But the Cowboys, to their credit, there's nothing kind of sexy about this Cowboys team. But Unless you love linebacker play. Okay. If, you, if you're a type of fan that loves linebacker play, and that's good, uh, this is a... <laughs> there's million, I mean, there's I'm, millions of you out it's there. It's a deeply erotic team. exciting to watch. No, I'm just saying, like, if, that, if you're seeing the field like that, it's an erotic team. But <laughs> I'm just saying, like, from a standpoint of... Uh, what erotic. most fans are into <laughs> might not be the word I would use. When you go when you go home, Wes, on Sunday nights, I know you like to fire up Game Pass. You lock that door when you watch the Cowboys linebacker. I've already yes rewatched. No? I've already rewatched this game, Humble and back. I did not lock the door. Were you wearing pants? Yes. Wasn't like the first play, the first third. Down I don't believe it. <laughs> the first third down of the game, to your point, Why was, did we was, just go there? Was, was perfect. Like Jim Schwartz watching Javid Best. I mean, you should, you could have lit a candle before that first wow. third down of the game. They take Leighton Vanderesh off the field. It's just Jalen Smith at middle linebacker. And there's Russell Wilson kind of running to the edge, like looking for someone open. And Jalen Smith is just running and mirroring him. And I don't know if any other linebacker in the league will be, would have been able to do that as well as he didn't just swat down Russell Wilson's pass like like he was like a point guard shooting the ball. It was kind of amazing. And they made plays like that the whole night. The one I often will not say, like, I'll just watch the game and not try to predict what's going to happen. But in my mind, I, pr- I vow to you that when Sebastian Janikowski was lining up for that <laughs> 52-yard field goal before the half. That all I saw because because for weeks I've been telling you I feel like Seabass is ready to say I'm out and like, but he goes and ch- attempts that kick and it's just like any totally out of shape dad trying to do something they probably should not have attempted Beyond in the last memes. 15 years right and he was just wincing in pain. That was a factor. They did not have a field goal a, kicker. It's a right. massive that was factor. a big that was a big a moment. Like this. Yeah, and when they lost the kicker. It, and it, things the way it worked out, they ended up getting two two point conversions, and so it doesn't look that bad. And they didn't have any like obvious field goal situations. They so might have they might have gotten an extra touchdown out of it because right. they were playing four down territory. Yeah. You could spin it that way, and it's true. It worked out, ending up like helping them on a weird way. But in reality, it was a crushing situation. And I will yes. say the onside kick, which maybe is a rule they have to revisit because they changed the rule. And there's no drama to onside kicks anymore. Nobody recovers them. But they, they have the, the drop-kicking punter uh, everybody loves. What's Michael Dixon. Michael Dixon. Who, by the way, keeps it up to end the game. Like Wayne Tolleson uh, batting 214 for the Yankees. Like, just pop up the short. He was, he was trying to hit, like, a, a, a soft pitching wedge, and he hit, like, a five iron. Like, that was what right. he was going for. It was, I, like, a flop wedge, and it just didn't work. Two, two kind of a game experiences watching this from home. Um, one... I apologize to Seahawks fans because I tweeted like 40 minutes before Janikowski blew his hamstring. Seabest drilling field goals in 2019. Go figure. And then he blew his hamstring. So I take accountability. The other thing is I was I had to do some grilling uh, uh, outside, uh, some chicken and some steak. I had to do some work uh, helping out the wife prepare some meals. Uh, So I I paused the game, uh, which I'll do occasionally, like on Thursday nights and stuff. I don't like to do it for playoff games typically, but I did it in this case. Yeah, you know, just doing some husband work. And it's a good story so far. What happens? <laughs> what happens? I get a text. All right. I get a text from my father-in-law. Ooh, that was ugly. And then I get a text from my dad and it's like, ooh, that was an ugly injury. It was a legitimately bizarre, unsettling feeling then to then hit play and just wonder who just got injured. How right. bad was the injury? What happened? Uh, so when we see Alan Hearns' leg flop oh, in the wrong direction, 
it was uh, not a great feeling, and Alan Hearns probably a much worse feeling. I, I had my children in the room for that, and they and they, I, they've never seen an injury like that on television or in real life. It was not easy to explain off. But at that point, that was Colby, a good story too. That was I thought it was concise. Didn't want to take up too much of anyone's time with that. Didn't delve into what I cook or ate for dinner at that point. But Cole Beasley was also Nothing. banged up. They overcame that. Did we hmm. get through this whole recap without mentioning the best player on the field? Well, it's not over KJ, yet. right? Ezekiel Elliott. Oh, Zeke. Give Zeke some love, Wes. He, carry, he, he carries this team no, you're right. every week, and he carried the team in this game. And Chris Carson probably has some numbers that make people argue sometimes. He's just as good as Ezekiel Elliott. No, 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 no. No. no, 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 no. They're in totally different classes. The 44-yard run at the, in that drive in general at the end of the first half that Elliott basically set up Dak to throw it to Gallup, that to me was the key sequence of the game. And it was pretty telling. Like, immediately after both Seahawks touchdowns, the Cowboys responded with the touchdown, yep. which, I, which I think is telling. Like, and, and even though Zeke wasn't piling up huge yards the whole game – this, the Seahawks kept having these negative runs, a ton of negative runs that would give them six, second and 13, second and 14. The, the Cowboys were the better offensive line, the better running game. All right. And, yeah, Cowboys, sexy maybe in some sectors. But you want to kind of write them off and say they can't beat the Rams next week? But no one's going to say that. No ugly it up. say that. Ugly it up in L.A. and be play, have, a, have a game in the Going to be a lot water. of Cowboys fans in that stadium, by the way. No doubt. Mm. Listen, Rams fans, this is your stadium. This is your city. Protect it. Well, there's only Don't so many of your them. tickets. Cowboys play with a different energy level in their own building, mm. like most teams. But I think when you're a defense team, that really matters. My, my daughter and, and uh, wife are heading, heading down to the old Coliseum. Your daughter's become quite the football the fan. What was, what was the voice inflection you did there during Coliseum? You just sort of – it's like you were – Grunting air. That was a, that was a good family story as well. Yeah, thank you. We're Wes, you're all, you're up. I'm just saying they Wes need to had bring, his film session with to, the Cowboys. They linebackers. need to bring the noise. <laughs> all right, there you go. That takes us through three of the four games, and you'll notice we are 0 for three <laughs> on locks. 0 for four now, actually. So we <laughs> none of us lock. We all got banged, except for one person. Ricky Hollywood. That's oh, yeah. Right. Oh, Who'd you lock yeah. up again? The Eagles. Wow. Nice Rest job. You. So you and Shook are now leading the competition. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got, Mark's going to kill you, you know. Well, well this is already <laughs> I'm joking. I don't mean this. I know this got a lot of uh, serious responses on Twitter, <laughs> not to mention Mark. It's like, no, I'm just joking. People course, are tired of the injustice. Um, by the way, Erica, you said you're 2-0, right? Yeah. Well, if you count my pick for Mark's um, Miami, the Dolphins that time, yep. if you count that. He took that, though. You can't both have it. You could share it. Well, yeah, we. so I'm one and a half, I guess. <laughs> even Mark, though, we're going to have to lower you to nine and a half. Even oh, though I no. picked it for you. <laughs> I thought you, the way we worked out, you picked it, and in good faith, I stuck with it, despite it being Brock Osweiler starting, as I believed in your powers, and I was correct. And she just picked the biggest underdog of the weekend I mean, on the road. She's hot. She's hot. She's hot. You got it. We're going to ride you through the playoffs, all right, Ricky? Okay. All right. Hey, by the way, Crazy. before we get to okay, uh, before we get to Houston and the final game, we're going to talk about stand out at your event for the right reasons with the BlackTux.com. Stand down, Wes. The Black Tux. The Black Tux offers the kinds of suits and tuxedo styles that would normally be wildly expensive to buy, and you might wear only once. With the Black Tux, simply rent them online. I like this model. So you can blow it out for your big one-time event. I feel like millennials would like this, too, because they like to get dressed up for their little parties. 
They also like it when you generalize about their entire generation. (laughs) They love that. They like, oh, oh, you're wearing a tux today? That's ironic. (laughs) Anyway, with the Black Tux's free home try-on, you can see the fit and feel the quality of your suit months before the event. Wes, you got a big event coming up. After ordering, your suit will arrive 14 days before you. And we're in the wedding party, so we're going to need to wait, maybe hook up with the Black Tux. Well, unless Wes goes casual, which would be nice. I've been outvoted on casual. Ooh, to get $20 off your purchase, visit theblacktux.com and enter code AROUND. That's theblacktux.com, code AROUND for $20 off your purchase. The Black Tux Premium Rental Suits and Tuxedos Delivered. The running back offset to the left of Luck is Mack. Andrews back to pass. He fires through the pile on the left side. It is caught for the touchdown by Dontrell Inman. Oh, you know that voice. That's Mikey Tarico on Westwood 1. Andrew Luck led the Indianapolis Colts on three first-half scoring drives. All the offense they would need in a 21-7 win over the Houston Texans at NRG Stadium. The six-seed Colts advance to the division playoffs. They will meet the top-seeded Chiefs at Arrowhead. Giddy up, as Cosmo Kramer would say. Wes, 90s rap. Luck is the big story around the surging Colts this season, but Indy's defense deserves a huge nod for what they were able to do to Deshaun Watson and company. Shut them down. And this defense, um, Greg and I were talking about this earlier today, they haven't really played anyone this year. They don't play top 10 offenses because they haven't been on the schedule. But statistically over the past 10 to 11 weeks, they are the lowest. uh, They allow the fewest points. So their defense is for real. I don't know that they're dominant, but they're moving on. And I thought one of the big factors in this game, maybe the biggest factor was that Mark's who do you trust pick Frank Reich put on a play calling clinic in the first half. Like, I just thought everyone was wide open all the time. He was feeling it. That's the thing. I, I hear a lot of, like, you know, Andrew Luck's throwing to nobodies, and that's true, but he's throwing a wide open nobodies, you know, or guys you don't know. And that's partly right. To, to go from the first drive where I thought the key play of the game was maybe the first third and 12 where they protect, they get absolutely no pressure on on Andrew Luck, and he connects to T.Y. Hilton, and they move on, and, and they end up extending the drive off a of J.J. Watt penalty, which was another big one. To go from that drive, which was all throws, and then run it six or seven straight times on the second drive in a ton of different creative runs, it's like the Texans had no idea what was coming next. This was one of those playoff games. You know, if you go through the Bears-Eagles experience, win or lose, it was a playoff experience, and it drained everything from you. And there's a lot to remember. This is one of those games where if you're a Texans fan, you've you had this nice winning streak during the year. You've got a franchise quarterback. Finally, you believe in Bill O'Brien and then bang, you've been hitting the side of the head and your season's over. It was over by halftime. I hated this game. That yeah, it was the a Texans bad game. Played. I, I kind of loved way. it. Well, oh, no, I loved it. I hated the game that Houston played. Oh, what I'm saying. They yeah. were they um, open up with a punt, an interception, a punt, downs, punt, punt, punt. This I, is Bill O'Brien. Didn't they call like a third and 20 run on the first or second series? And I'm, I'm thinking this guy's coaching like Marvin Lewis. I here. think they were uninspired <laughs> on defense. Uh, they were not, unable to ever have any um, make any noise on defense with all those talented players. thought Honey Badger looked bad uh, in multiple spots in this game. We didn't hear Watt made some impact plays, but Watt and Clowney weren't able to take the game over. And then on offense, Deshaun Watson was the only guy who could run the ball in this game, and that was that was laid bare. 76 rushing pass yards. It in this game. And Deshaun Watson missed so many throws. Uh, 
including a, a shot to the tight end in the first half. That could, I think Ryan Griffin was, had a, had a shot to get him back in the game. He was a liability at times in this game. They just didn't show up. It was very much, we talk about Textivus, how they've <laughs> essentially <laughs> unseated the, the Bengals. And this was such a Cincinnati-esque uh, Saturday playoff performance. It was. It felt like that. Kind of like a, like I thought this was going to be a great game. It's these two young quarterbacks, and it felt like it felt closer to Brian Hoyer uh, versus you know a thirty to nothing loss right. against the Chiefs than than it should have. That's not supposed to happen anymore. No. Big game from Pierre Desir, who's a free agent coming up. Probably made a lot of money shutting down DeAndre Hopkins, who um, played injured for much much of the game, but. This year, shut him down early, even before he was injured. And I thought T.Y. Hilton, he's having his, like, Larry Fitzgerald playoff run over the past two months. Playing through an ankle injury and averaging about 120, I believe, yards per week. And he had a badass opening drive. Yep. It was incredible. He even set the pick on Ebron's TD. He, well, it felt like every one of his catches was a key third down conversion, like a third and long. It's because it almost was. I mean, four of his five catches were third and long, just like great catches to keep a drive going. Marlon Mack, Quentin Wait, Nelson. Great. These are all Chris Bauer draft picks. And the one thing about T.Y. Hilton, and I know that T.Y. Hilton made the opening comment about the Texans stadium is his home stadium. And then in reverse, though, the Texans, who are a few years removed from rolling into, was it Foxborough wearing their Letterman jackets? Like That was a mistake. Come on, guys. Like, why you then set up this whole infamous, like, back and forth where you call T.Y. Hilton a clown, and here comes T.Y. Hilton, who's owned your team statistically the last couple times he's played you, and his clown, clown mask. You knew right then that there was something. <laughs> the Texans, that got on my radar because the Texans just needed to not create dramas that were going to motivate the team. Well, and, and it was Kareem Jackson who had a, an awful game trying to cover T.Y. Hilton. And this Which is a is game. a shame because he's had a great he's year. He's had a great right. year, but he's a free agent. And this game's going to cause some tough questions by the Texans. Because you're right, Watson played his worst game in, in a long time. But what group on the Texans after this game is going to look back and say, well, we did our job? I don't think there was one single group. The, the offensive line actually protected Watson fairly well. That wasn't the problem for once. Their but, inexperience at wide receiver showed quite right, a like, bit. They have a lot of issues for a team that won a lot of games. Their, their secondary needs to be totally rebuilt. Yep. And Jackson and Ann Honey Badger, who are the best two guys in the secondary, are free agents. The offensive line needs to be rebuilt, and they're so thin at receiver, and they don't really have a running back that they trust, which which was obvious when they only ran the ball, what, seven, eight times in this game. I think that Frank Reich, that his beard, there are magical powers attached to it. <laughs> I'm not kidding about that. And it helps when DeAndre Hopkins is playing through a shoulder injury, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Andrew Luck is a badass. Yes, he, he I is. mean... It, same thing we were talking about on the NFC side of the AFC side. I think the Chiefs are probably going to be the favorite. Uh, they will be the favorite uh, next week. But Luck is a guy who is playing with such confidence and he he inspires such confidence in his teammates and they're a well-coached team. They will not be an easy out next week. This team is flying west. Well, we you're know. in. Okay. And you're locking them up, aren't you, next week against the Chiefs in Arrowhead. I'm fe- I, the Chiefs in Arrowhead, that is... That is a tough, tough ass. Shootout, baby. That is a great home field venue. Mm. But the Chiefs have a weakness. Their secondary has been deplorable all year. What's the Colts' weakness right now? They've won Bush. 10 of 11. I don't think they have I one. think a pass rush, If I don't think they have a great natural pass rush. Okay, that's fair. They don't I, have an edge rusher. But, like, they find guys who make plays. I mean, Kenny Moore blitzing. Marcus Hunt had a great takedown of Watson on, on one scramble. Like, they play such great team defense that, you know, Mark's team uh, 
had to go talk to Matt Eberflus on Sunday and say, Eberflus. hey, what's going on, Flus? Would you like to maybe coach our <laughs> That's team? That's how that went? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly Flus. how it went. Uh, so there you go. That is the uh, recap of Wild Card Weekend. Uh, we will be back on Tuesday with our Twitter show at 1.30 Pacific, 4.30 Eastern, a different time elsewhere in the world. That's up to you to figure out based on the context clues. And we will have our next podcast on Wednesday and then another one on Thursday, which will act as our divisional playoff show. And then, of course, we meet back here one week from today to recap all the action. That's what we do. That's the circle of life here at the Around the NFL podcast. Anything else, Greg? No. I mean, uh, I'm excited. <laughs> it's a big, big time of year. It sure is. It sure is. Stan Hans is signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, and Ricky Hollywood. Behind the glass, locking it up. Till Tuesday! You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.